The service of prayer and preaching for the second Sunday after Trinity, June 26, 2022. The opening hymn is TLH 33, The Lord Hath Helped Me Hitherto. The Lord hath helped me hitherto by his surpassing favor. His mercies every morn are new, his kindness did not waver. God hitherto hath been my guide, hath pleasures hitherto supplied, and hitherto hath helped me. I praise and thank thee, Lord my God, for thine abundant blessing, which heretofore thou hast bestowed, and I am still possessing. Inscribe this on my memory, the Lord hath done great things for me, and graciously hath helped me. Help me henceforth, O God of grace, help me on each occasion. Help me in each and every place. Help me through Jesus' passion. Help me in life and death, O God. Help me through Jesus' dying blood. Help me as thou hast helped me. Amen. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, 
and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. With joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Reading from Proverbs, the ninth chapter. Wisdom builds her house. She carves out her seven pillars. She slaughters her slaughter. She mixes her wine. Also, she arranges her table. She sends out her servant girls. She calls upon the highest heights of the city. Whoever is young, turn in here. To the one in want of heart, she says to him, Come, bread of my bread, and drink of the wine I mix. Let go of young and live, and go straight in the way of understanding. He who disciplines a mocker takes to him ignominy, and he adjudges to the wicked is injured. Do not adjudge a mocker, lest he hate you. Adjudge to the wise, and he will love you. Give to the wise, and the wise is still more. Teach to the righteous, and add learning. Beginning of wisdom is fear of Yahweh, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The introit is verses from Psalm 18. support 
in the day of my calamity. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord was my support in the day of my calamity. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. A reading from 1 John, the third chapter. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In a reading from Luke, the 14th chapter. When one of those who reclined at table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste by banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Continue with the common responsory on page 263. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house 
and the place where your glory dwells. We continue with the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. You shall have no other gods. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is our gospel reading from Luke 14. And often this text gets lost in the actions of the parable and overlooked is the point which the parable is used to teach. Beginning at verse 12, we read, Jesus said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Then, jumping to verse 24, at the end of the parable, Jesus says, I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. False gods manifest themselves in many ways. Sometimes they're blatant, but more often they're subtle. The corruption of sin to the human nature is so complete that one often couches false belief in seemingly innocuous or pious phrases. Christianity has been around for so long and so embedded within the fabric of our society, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. However, Satan is, so, is good at what he does. He takes words and phrases, good gifts of God, and twists them to fit his own agenda. For many, these good words of God have been divorced from their meanings, and good Christians launch words that are not heard in the same way by their hearers. Coming out in the July newsletter, I touch a bit on the way people approach the biblical text. This is not just for the Bible, but for all kinds of text. Boilerplate version is this. There's three parts, really, to any text. The author, the text itself, and the receiver. Send a text or an email today, and this is very simply illustrated. The text is very simple. Marky can send me words that say, get bread. I can either take the words for what they are, or I can start asking questions. What kind of bread? Does she need it right now? Is she out of bread? 
Is this for the future? Do I have time to waste before getting or before going to get bread? Now that's just questions about the text and the author. So what about the receiver? Is this the first time I have received this text and forgot to do it already? Do I have freedom to interpret this text? Is this real bread? Or does bread to me mean a symbolic bread of life? As I read this text, I'm reminded of a different cultural time where bread meant money. So to me, this text means to bring home money. I receive this text while sitting in a study, and I know that money is direct deposited, so I react lovingly to the text of get bread with, it's in the bank, love you. Was I right to respond this way? This is how I understood it, so was I wrong? You all know the answer to that, and of course I was. The text was pretty simple, get bread, and even my kids know what that meant. There was not cultural phenomenon to piece through, there was no backstory that was needed. The text said, get bread. This is how God speaks to us. He gives straightforward texts, and we spend too much time trying to figure out a way around it. We bring our own preconceived ideas and notions to the text, which are important, but we don't change the text. We don't inform the text with our own reading. I can justify myself all I want, but the text still says what it says. No amount of pious grandstanding will change it. Luke tells us a leader of the Pharisees had invited Jesus one Sabbath to supper at his house. There were others there, other Pharisees presumably and other religious leaders, but the text says that temple lawyers were there. But it wasn't just the religious leaders around this table. There was also a man who had dropsy. Dropsy is swelling caused by water pockets collecting in body tissue and it was painful. The thought at the time was that it was caused by immorality was often viewed as a physical punishment for breaking God's commands. This man suffered not just physically, but he would have been looked down upon by others simply because of his medical condition. Jesus sees this man and has compassion on him. In his compassion, he asked the lawyers and the Pharisees if it was lawful to heal on the Sabbath. Now, how did they respond to these words? They remained silent. The Pharisees weren't completely heartless. We have painted them as enemy number one and lower than human, but they had compassion. They knew that it was not only lawful, but it was in fact good to heal on any day. After receiving no rebukes, Jesus healed the man and sent him away. He then turns to the host and the guests and he poses another question. Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? Now again, they answered nothing. One can easily hear the awkward silence that follows, the kind of silence you get when you know the right answer, but you've been cornered in your own sinfulness and selfishness, and there's nothing you can say to divert the conversation. There's no amount of personal bias that one can bring to the table and get around the fact that Jesus is not a safe guest to have in your home. He's not going to overlook blatant disregard for your neighbor. He's not going to be polite or I would nice and say nothing in the face of obvious abuse of the fifth or eighth commandments. He's going to call you on he's going to call you on it. You are to help and support your neighbor in every physical need, no matter what day it is. You are to defend and put the best construction on everything no matter who is around and no matter how funny you think you may be. Like awkward silences usually go, there's an equally awkward phrase that is launched trying to cut the tension. Now here's no exception. After the awkward silence, and after a rebuking parable, 
about presuming to take the seat of honor, placing yourself above others, one of the guests tries to cut the tension in the room by issuing a pious-sounding statement. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. That sounds nice, doesn't it? I mean, what could be wrong with that? Jesus tells us, pious-sounding statements meant to cover up sin or defend bad behavior doesn't work with Jesus. Jesus isn't impressed with platitudes or nice empty statements or Lutheran cliches. This is the context for the parable before us this morning. He is pushing the Pharisees and their false theology and practice. He will not tolerate such wickedness and nonsense. Jesus will not stop preaching the law until sinners repent and turn from evil. He will not give up until rebellious men turn from sin and are converted to faith. He will not look the other way to make a false peace or agree to disagree. So to drive home his point of inviting those to the banquet who cannot repay, which is his banquet, he begins our parable this morning. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. At the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But those who were invited made excuses and refused to come. The master got angry and sent the servant out to invite any and all he could find, the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. This parable is built around three important points, the inviter, the invitation, and the invitees. The inviter is God. The invitation is the gospel that Jesus has redeemed the world from sin and has opened up the gate of heaven to all who believe. The invitees are the people in this world from the beginning of creation till today, everyone who has ever lived. The inviter is good. He is generous. He is sincere. He is loving. He wants all people to come and enjoy his hospitality and share in his riches. The invitation is urgent. Come, for everything is now ready. The banquet is about to begin and it's ready to be enjoyed now. The invitation is external, it's audible and visible. It's been broadcast by servants, the prophets and apostles who have been sent for this purpose. It isn't secret or hidden, it's public and it's communal. Christ sends the invitation out into the whole world. In the first place, God sent out the prophets who have been teaching since the world began. Then he sends out the apostles into all the world after the day of Pentecost. And now he sends out the message in the church's preaching. But these are not the only servants of God. He also sends out his children to invite others, to give witness to the hope that is in them. You have been called for this purpose as Christian sons and daughters, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, aunts and uncles, grandparents, friends, employers, workers, students, and colleagues. Every Christian is called to give a reason for the hope that is in them, yet doing it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. This is the biblical view of evangelism. And in this point, this is an evangelism parable. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The Holy Spirit using people as messengers to extend the invitation through audible words. Audible words. This is not just the duty of a few pastors. It's the duty of all children of God within their vocation. The invitation does not mean that the invitees are worthy in themselves of the invitation. The invitation at the end of the, went out to all people regardless of worthiness, telling us that the invitation has always gone out to the unworthy. 
The invitation itself is by grace alone, without any merit on the part of the receiver. The fact that the invitation was extended and the content of the invitation are gospel, the free gift of God for us, the good news that God has reconciled man to himself through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That's the only message that God has preached since the fall. Since Genesis 3.15, all scriptures pointing to this one monumental salvific event, the divine author has written these words of Holy Scripture so that we may believe and that by believing we may have life in the name of Jesus, the only name under heaven by which we are saved. The reader brings their own biases and questions to the text, but the text stands as it is. The gospel is true for all people, in all places, and at all times. The text doesn't change. People do. As poor, miserable sinners who are by nature sinful and unclean, hearts, minds, and bodies of the flesh are set on things of the flesh, finding hope only in the things of this world. What does this mean? The glorious invitation may be rejected. It's offered for free by grace, but sinful man can reject the invitation. That's what behind Jesus' statement. But they all like began to make excuses. The first had just bought a field, must go out and see it. Another bought five yoke of oxen and was going to examine them. Another just got married and therefore cannot come. The excuses are feeble. That's the point. All excuses for rejecting the invitation are feeble just like all excuses for not helping your neighbor or for not putting the best construction on everything are feeble. You have heard many modern excuses in this regard. The church is full of hypocrites. The pastor or another member have offended me, so I'll stop going altogether. I'll show them. My parents never took me, so I don't want to go either. I can't believe in a God that allows bad things to happen. I don't need to go to a church building. I can worship God in my own way. I don't want to help that person because they won't say thank you or appreciate it, or turn their life around. Did you hear what so-and-so did? I can't believe that they're not more like me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the invitation may be rejected by those who receive it. Cain fell from the faith when his heart stopped trusting in God. King Saul fell from the faith when he stopped trusting God to provide for him and relied rather on his own strength. Judas fell from the faith when he refused to believe that Jesus could forgive his sin. The Bible gives account of those among the children of God who then left the faith for their own sinful, selfish devices and desires. They received and heard the text, but they listened instead to their own interpretive strategy. They rejected God's word for their own needs and or their God's word for their own words. Sadly, rejection of the invitation brings damnation. This is often forgotten. Jesus' parable of the sower finds three-fourths of the seed is rejected. John records Jesus' words, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. St. Paul writes, Those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Rejection of the invitation is eternally serious, and our text ends today. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Yet the invitation goes forth. The Lord's servants 
go out relentlessly to spread the gospel, to spread the good news of the kingdom until all the number of God's children are seated at his banquet. And if all people, regardless of worthiness, are invited, then rest assured, dear Christian, that you too are invited. The gospel message is for you. Jesus has overcome the world by his death and resurrection. He has connected you to that death through baptism. You are washed, made clean, born anew, given banquet clothes. He brings you to the table of his heavenly banquet, the one to which you will receive a foretaste this morning at this altar. The sacrament of the altar is the foretaste of the feast to come. It's where the invitees gather. The text hasn't changed and will not change. You cannot repay Jesus for this banquet. He has brought the bread. By faith, you who were once poor in spirit, crippled in love, lame in good works, and blind to life, are here fed with food that forgives sins. Here you feast on the bread of life. The word changes those who receive, not the other way around. Thus enjoy, we may sing, from eternity, O God, in thy Son thou didst elect me. Therefore, Father, on life's road, graciously to heaven direct me. Send to me thy Holy Spirit, that is gifts I may inherit. Help me speak what's right and good and keep silence on occasion. Help me pray, Lord, as I should. Help me bear my tribulation. Help me die and let my spirit everlasting life inherit. Amen. May the peace of God, which truly passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We sing hymn TLH 411, From Eternity, O God. Eternity, O God, in thy Son thou didst elect me. Therefore, Father, on life's road, graciously to heaven direct me. Send to me thy Holy Spirit, that is gifts I may to all good things by nature. Holy Ghost, change me within. Make of me a newborn creature. For the flesh works ruination and can never gain salvation. Away the gloomy night of my heart's perverse reflection. Quench all thoughts that are not right, 
Hold my reason in subjection. Grant that I from thee with yearning wisdom always may be learning. O create a heart in me that in thee my God believeth and o'er all the iniquity of my sins most truly grieveth. When dark hours of woe betide me, in the wounds of Jesus hide me. As a branch upon a vine, it, my blessed Lord, implant me. Never of my head divine to remain a member grant me. Oh, let him, my Lord and Savior, be my life and love forever. Faith and hope and charity, graciously, O Father, give me. Be my guardian constantly, that the devil may not grieve me. Grant me humbleness and gladness, peace and patience in my sadness. Help me speak what's right and good, and keep silence on occasion. Help me pray, Lord, as I should, Help me bear my tribulation. Help me die and let my spirit everlasting life inherit. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for the gift of divine peace and of pardon with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the holy Christian church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. O Lord, since you never fail to help and govern those whom you nurture in your steadfast fear and love, work in us a perpetual fear and love of your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Christ has been raised from the dead, Alleluia, Alleluia. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Raised from the dead, he will never die again. Death has no more dominion over him. Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia, alleluia. Dying, Christ dies to sin once for all. Living, he lives to God. Count yourselves as dead to sin and alive to God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia, alleluia. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us. Amen. We sing hymn LSB 730, What is the World to Me? What is the world to me with all its vaunted pleasure when you and you alone, Lord Jesus, are my treasure, you only dearest Lord, 
my soul's delight shall be. You are my peace, my rest. What is the world to me? The world seeks to be praised and honored by the mighty, yet never once reflects that they are frail and flighty. But what I truly prize above all things is he, my Jesus, he alone. What is the world to me? The world seeks after wealth and all that mammon offers, yet never is content. Though gold should fill its coffers, I have a higher good, content with it I'll be. My Jesus is my wealth, what is the world to me? What is the world to me? My Jesus is my treasure, my life, my health, my wealth, my friend, my love, my pleasure, my joy, my crown, my all, my bliss eternally. Once more then I declare, what is the world to me?